Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And now for an exploding interview. Stay tuned. Hey everybody and welcome to Explominate. This is Ben, your host, and this week joining me is Daz Tactic. Say hi Daz. Hi guys, welcome. And also my old buddy Drexy. Hey Ben, how's it going? It's going pretty good. And uh, we've got a very, very special guest this week. I'd like to introduce you to Illwinter Game Design. So say hello Christopher and Johan. Hello, hello. this is Christopher. Oh, hi guys, uh, this is uh, Johan. Thank you for having us. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we, we feel very, very privileged. For anybody who's listening who doesn't know, Illwinter Game Design are responsible for two pretty serious heavyweight indie games. The first one being Dominions, which is now in its fifth iteration. And we've just had the release of the fifth iteration of Conquest of Elysium. These are both really, really interesting games. There's nothing quite like them on the market. And I thought that it'd be nice for Illwinter to come and have a chat with us about them and just tell us a little bit more about you know, the development process and elaborate a little on the games that they've made for us because I, I know Daz and Drexy and myself are massive massive Dominions fans and we all play uh, Dominions loads in fact Drexy and I are in several Dominions multiplayer games at the moment together <laughs> and uh, I know Daz has been playing Dominions on on Twitch because I actually jumped on and watched him the other day or a couple of weeks ago I think so and we're all like regular players but Conquest of Elysium 5 has just come out and um, we've been waiting for this one for a while because Conquest of Elysium 4, I think that was... Re- when was that one released, guys? Uh, 15, I think. 2015. I'm not entirely sure. Wow, so it's been, it's been a while. So it's been I mean, a while, yeah. And I picked that one up after I played Dominion, so I kind of... I bought Dominion's 4. I kind of bounced off it a little bit because I, 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 I was like, oh, this game looks really, really fun, but I, I think it's going to require a little bit of time, and then I was busy, and then I kind of didn't come back to it. And then I then when Dominion's 5 came out... I got that and I was like, right, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to make sure that I learn this one. And I struggled with it a little bit. And then I actually found Daz Tactics videos. And this is how I know Daz, because um, I found Daz had done the uh, the official... He did a playthrough with uh, Dragon, I think, was it? Yeah, that was a one video. Uh, that was fun, actually, trying to plan that one out, because um, it was just trying to figure out the fastest way to play. Because I'm not a fast player with these games. And it's sort of... I actually enjoy the um, the more sedate sort of pacing of them but i guess with different markets and things you've got to find a way to get things done and i thought the dragon's probably the fastest way i can get through a game in a, in, a, in one session <laughs> sure but that was really helpful and I, and I think that was a really good introduction to the game because the it's i'd say dominions more so than conquest of elysium it's, it looks quite an intimidating game uh, when you first get into it 
and there's so much going on particularly with things like the pretender design and stuff but i think first before before we sort of get deep into this perhaps uh, uh johan and um christopher if you'd like to kind of just introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about yourself okay i can start i am johan and uh, i do most of the programming and we share the game design i guess and write a lot of stuff both of us Actually, maybe we uh, could you mind me just sort of butting in and I'll just ask a few questions because the engine that you've got, like you guys have sort of built this up over many, many years, haven't you, uh, for Dominions and, and for Conquest of Elysium? Oh, yes, that's uh, true. We we started uh, doing this Conquest of Elysium game for, oh, the, for the Atari a very long time ago. Wow. Oh, wow. Uh, it was, so was uh, it in the 80s or 90s? Was that the... Like, 93. Ninety-three. Oh. oh yes, that was a long time ago. Mm. My Atari ST was my favorite computer. <laughs> oh, it's a nice computer. Oh, so first, it was uh, programmed in. Uh, it's called a GFA Basic, like some kind of Atari kind of Basic, but uh, it was quite uh, buggy. And so later we converted it to into a C, and uh, parts of that has stayed with us all the way. So part of the code that we use now are still from the Atari time in, from wow. forever ago. Wow, that's incredible. And did you have to, um, like, did you, like, just from a programming side, did you actually have to learn C for the game or did you already know that before you went into it? Uh, I guess I learned a lot when I made a game, but I, I had used it a few times in school. I went to computer engineering school at that time, uh, but we didn't use much, much C there. Okay, yeah, because it seems like a fairly, uh, fairly big leap to go from a basic language into straight into C. Yeah, it was. I guess it was, but uh, since the basic was kind of buggy, I didn't want to get uh, caught in that trap again. So I wanted a, <laughs> a language that was guaranteed to be stable, and C seemed to be the best at that time. Yeah, really and like would you ever think about going to Unity or anything like that that so many of the games nowadays are, are working, or are you just happy with the engine that you've got? Mm, that would be too much work to change. So It's I'm, very stable. The, the engine that you actually have is incredibly stable. Uh, I'm happy with that one because <laughs> it would be too much work to change. And so, uh, Christopher, so what, what is it that you do with Ill Winter then? In Dominions, I am mainly focusing on uh, creating nations and uh, doing um, yeah, story background, so to speak. And uh, if I try to make a new uh, nation with new mechanics, I ask Jiko, how, uh, Johan, uh, how could we do this? Can we implement this? And he says, uh, wait a bit, uh, that sounds good. Uh, I'll, I'll implement that one. And, uh, and I'll say something else. And he says, nah. nah. Mm. And then I ask you, yeah, can you implement this? And he says, oh, and uh, <laughs> then it, it never appears. And uh, he comes up with another thing that uh, could uh, uh, work instead. So um, he programs and implements um, my ideas on um, new nations. So uh, if I want to add some freeze spawn stuff uh, in a faction in um, COE or a new nation in Dominions uh, that isn't there, I explain a bit how I would like it to work and then he uh, makes it work. And I do uh, the sprites and graphic works on the units and stuff as well. So graphics and um, units and nations are more on my side. 
particularly in Dominions. In COE, Johan is uh, more involved in the class and faction creation. Uh, Scorcher, for example, is uh, two part uh, influenced by Dark Sun. I have never played Dark Sun, but uh, Jiko is uh, played Dark Sun ages ago. And, uh, Jiko is, uh, is me, by the way. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, Johan Carlson, so JK. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Johan uh, is responsible for the Scorch King uh, being added to the game. So uh, okay. we, we, we do a little bit here, a little bit there, but uh, since we're only two people uh, working, it's quite easy to come up with ideas and dis discuss uh, ideas with uh, one another. Now, the classes in COE are less, less historical and religious, and more gameplay-oriented, I guess. Very... You mean Quest of Elysium versus Dominions, for example? So I, I do not research anything when I uh, think about units in uh, Conquest of Elysium, but I do a lot of research on, uh, say, Petra in Jordania when I created uh, Naba uh, for Dominions and pre-Islamic religion and culture. So I do tend to um, uh, research into historical and religious sources for Dominions, but never in Conquest of Elysium. Brings up an interesting uh, qu question. Like, I mean, the region of the world that you guys are from is just so rich in lore, you know, like in, in mythology, and uh, yet uh, Dominions and, and Conquest of Elysium are just so diverse in the in the scope of their mythology. And I know that's something that uh, Drexy, Ben, and myself have been uh, talking a little bit about in the lead up is just, you know, how rich the mythology is that you've actually been able to add to these, to both these games. Mm. I studied for a couple of years um, in comparative religion at Lund here in Sweden. So I'm quite interested in mythology and uh, comparative religion so and, uh, and history. So a lot of my earlier inspiration came from my studies. So that's part of, of uh, our inspirational sources, or my inspirational sources. Also, a lot of Dungeons & Dragons and other tabletop role-playing games. Ars Magica, in particular for Dominions, I'd say. So, between the both of you, is everything done in-house, like including artwork, or is there any external people included? Uh, one external, uh, Daniel Sera, uh, he's responsible for a third or half of the descriptions, but uh, it's, uh, he's not involved in the game design or so, but we have talked with him and, uh, okay, could you write the description for those three factions or for this one or so? And we tend to like to have the descriptions um, for each faction written in the same manner, so we task him with doing um, uh, one faction at a time, and uh, another, or independence, we do ourselves, or so. So, um, uh, basically, it's just two, uh, the two of us, but uh, Daniel is uh, involved in the description writing. For Conquest of Elysium, at least. Uh, yes, he's only in the um, Conquest of Elysium descriptions, not in uh, Dominions. I heard somebody on, it was on Lucid Tactics Forum, he described, the way that he described the difference Oh, and also the similarities between Dominions and Conquest of Elysium was really interesting. He said, uh, Conquest of Elysium to Dominions is kind of like The Hobbit is to The Lord of the Rings. It's kind of more, it's kind of more playful, um, although it's still got, you know, kind of demon worship and blood sacrifice in, just like <laughs> Dominions does. But it's kind of like, it comes at it from more, a sort of more playful comedic angle. And I thought that was a really good description because that's, that's very much how I feel about the two games as well. Uh, Dominion seems kind of more serious in a sense. But Conquest of Elysium all, also has that sort of adventuring spirit that, you know, that they have in The Hobbit. 
and it kind of gets more serious towards the end, much like you know, Conquest of Elysium does. What do you think to that? Uh, uh, I like that quite a lot, I'd say. Uh, yeah, it's a nice, uh, nice comparison. <laughs> I hope it is a bit more cozy, just like uh, Conquest of Elysium. <laughs> I also think it's really interesting what you're saying, Christopher, about the about you know comparative religion, because that was one of the first things that I was thinking about as I was playing Dominions. Uh, before I'd read anything about Ill Winter, I was like, I've actually looked at comp uh, comparative religion back in uh, in my past as well. Uh, I didn't study it, uh, but it was just something that I got into during my kind of like. So I was I was I got really into art. I was an artist, and then I was looking at symbolism. So I came across people like Carl Jung, and Carl Jung talked quite a lot about comparative religion. And mythology seems to have this. There's there's a certain thread that seems to run through many many different myths and legends and historical tales from cultures all across the world. And I think you've really kind of tapped into some of these wonderful stories and really brought them to life and kind of turned them into something that could be used in a game. I, I, I don't think there's any other game really that, that does anything quite like that. Would you say that the, the comparative religion, you know, the historical stuff, was that part of the driving force behind the game, you know, be, behind making the game? Or, or was it something that you added a little bit later just to give it more flavour? I think it uh, was in the first iterations of uh, Dominions. Uh, I think it arrived quite early. I've probably added more of this and uh, that uh, later on, but the First Nations in Dominions, the first Dominions game, uh, there were uh, Vanir and uh, Jotuns from uh, Jotunheim and Vanheim, and um, uh, there was a mythological and historical uh, take already from the start. But uh, I researched more on New Nations now than I did uh, at the start when uh, we first released uh, Dominions. Is that just a, a reflection of your your uh, broadening interest over time, or is it something that when you started, did you really think that you'd end up with some, something where you really are touching almost all the continents with their different uh, mythologies and religions? Uh, I'd say, uh, when I started Dominus 1, I didn't think that the scope of the game was so um, big and large. Uh, I, I think I, I liked and was uh, interested in... Um, uh, having uh, mythological and uh, historical references. But uh, when the game developed and uh, we released the second version and uh, the third version, I realized that uh, I wanted more of this and uh, that it could be implemented and that it was something that both I and the players liked. So uh, the focus on the... Uh, my research has both improved and I have um, gathered more uh, ideas from uh, around the world. One thing I really, really like about Dominions and also Conquest of Elysium is that you pay homage to the mythology, but it doesn't get in the way of the game. Like it's not, it doesn't become, it's not like you're trying to force uh, information down a player's throat. It really, it, it the game mechanics, and because it's so asynchronous, the way that you actually have done each of the different factions in both games, it's... Um, it's just such a special blend for me anyway, like as, a, as a, someone who enjoys both the games, it's, it's one of those things where you can really get lost in each actual faction, but you don't feel like you're, like you're learning stuff, but it's not being forced down your throat. Does that make sense? Like it's sort of, it's a very, very good balance that you've got, you guys have got with, um, with both games. Mm, I think uh, in uh, Conquest of Lysium in particular, we didn't have uh, descriptions at all until uh, the fourth iteration of it. So, uh, in Conquest of Elysium, the descriptions is mostly there to enhance the fun and gameplay for uh, the players. But in Dominions, at the beginning, we didn't have uh, much of tooltips and stuff on, uh, uh, on the unit. So descriptions were more important to explain what the spell did and uh, 
uh, what effect it had and so on. So in Dominion's descriptions and lore has been more important, I think, to be able to play as you want, but uh, more so regarding spells and uh, what special abilities units has. But uh, the the lore of the units has never been, uh, I think... Uh, it's lucky that we didn't have to do that in Conquest of Lysium. Those descriptions are very non-helpful. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually funny that you you know you're talking about this because uh, we were just talking about before we started recording that uh, Elysium is a Greek location, but there's no Greek factions in Conquest of Elysium. No no pure Greek factions, is there? That's true. I think it's because uh, Conquest of Elysium is more based on role playing games, uh, tabletop role playing games yeah. like Dungeons and Dragons. So when you one first uh, created the first. Game. There was uh, necromancer, demonologist, and uh, witch. I think yeah. something like that. You're not. Uh, you're not really a nation. You're more like a, a commander, a type of wizard, yeah. or a yeah. type of commander, or something like that. Sure. And it feels more medieval as well in, in its overall approach. And I guess that's more the Dungeons and Dragons, you know, sort of uh, throwback. I guess in that sort of sense. Yes, and uh, 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 goblins and uh, orcs and stuff were in the first game of Conquest yeah. of Lysium, but uh, when we started on Dominions, we intended it to be more, uh, say, serious, uh, less uh, influenced by tabletop role-playing games, and so no beholders and uh, <laughs> orcs and uh, more uh, mythological beings. This is touching on something I wanted to ask you, because the one thing that, I, that really knocks me over about both games is just the sheer volume of content. And now I know, I mean, you've been working on Conquest of Elysium since 1993, was it? And Dominions, what was it? Was it late 90s, I believe, Dominions? Uh, yes, it should have Something been like somewhere late 90s, perhaps 2000, something like that. And the, the amount of content in there is absolutely mind-boggling. Like, There's literally thousands, thousands of units in Dominions. There's thousand spells now something like this is an incredible amount and you were saying christopher that you do all the art assets and i can't believe that you've got a two-frame animation for all of those units they're pretty much all individual that there doesn't seem to be too much recycling of of uh, <laughs> more recycling than you know <laughs> oh okay fair, fair. Uh, but uh, i take say for example if i will draw a new sprite for uh, heavy infantry for ulm i I use one and uh, remove one weapon and uh, pixel print some pixels and uh, voila, there's a new one. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, still, there's still thousands. And, you know, when, when we start looking at other games that have this amount of content, there really aren't that many. And, and I'm not talking about emergent gameplay stuff here. I mean, literally, you know, the amount of assets and content, uh, you know, specific content items within the game. I can't really think of any. The the only other games that I can think of that come close are the early roguelike games. So, and some of the more established ones, like the major roguelikes. So, like NetHack and mm-hmm. um, I guess um, Moria. You know, the, the Angband sort of ones, Adam, etc. And they're the only games that I can think of that have this. And they they're also games that have been you know been in development for like thirty years. So and they don't have graphics, and so that's one of the the main things about <laughs> roguelikes. You know, you can you can keep adding content when you don't have graphics to to use if you're just using ascii it's quite easy and that often that's often what i mean that's why dwarf fortress i guess got so big because they didn't have to worry about you know making sprites or everything but you guys have got to made sprites for it all and sound effects and you know it's mind-boggling really and that's why we only have uh, one sprite and one hmm. sprite for the tech yeah uh, i guess we are somewhat yeah. in between the ascii and the real professional
conventional games. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, what program do you use for doing the graphics? Because I know that the graphics underwent a change from having like magenta as the color for the um, for the opacity uh, or the transparency, and then it's it, I think it's now now pink files. Is that correct? No, it's uh, it's still magenta for transparency. But the program we use is uh, actually. Uh, uh, custom made, yeah, custom made program. It's called Spooky okay. Sprites. We made it. Uh, it was made during the Atari time, ah, and it's been right. converted to PC. And now there is, uh, we have just recently made Spooky Sprites two, which also supports an alpha channel, so we can have alpha effects on our sprites now. Because I remember when Dominions changed from the magenta, because I used to do a bit of modding with Dominions and and changing, like having the graphics from that magenta color as as the pure. It was magenta, I think, wasn't it? Just the um, Shadows uh, is magenta. Oh, shadows is magenta, is it? Yeah, I can't remember. There was a color that um, that you'd pick as your. You had to have that color to be the um, the the opacity, and uh, or the or the transparency. But then since then, it looked like it was ping files were sort of supported. So, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting, sort of, just from a um, I guess from a modest perspective, sort of seeing the uh, the changes uh, that have come through the game. Just little things like that. It just interests me anyway. I guess I'm a bit unusual that way. Previously, there was, uh, at least previously, there was one more color supporter that was a bit less magenta. Maybe that's the pink one. So yeah, it was two, a pinky two color. colors for transparency. Yep. But uh, nowadays, I think it's only the magenta color. I'm not really sure. Can I um, ask a question about, because I was having a discussion with someone about um, certain games that have different versions. And say, for example, Civ, you've gone from like Civ 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. And each one, they sort of um, start over, but you guys have sort of decided to be more iterative over your games rather than starting afresh. Is there a technical <laughs> Why reason? Why I start mean, over with a bad game? When yeah, you can yeah I mean, a lot of the times, yeah, a lot of the times, for example, Civ 6 and 5 and just not as good as Civ 4, for example. So I've always liked your guys... Um, the way you you sort of improve on your game, but it's not a totally new game. Can you just go behind the philosophy behind that? Is it just uh, practical, or is there more? Is there more reason behind that? No, we we like adding uh, more stuff. I guess we, we like playing uh, our games ourselves, so it would feel uh, bad some and to start from uh, the beginning with nothing. So when you have so much already. And uh, if you have uh, a game uh, and you think, uh, hmm, wouldn't it be nice if we changed the bless effects on uh, stuff here in Dominions? Yeah, but that uh, that doesn't work with the current version. And then you think, but it would be very interesting to do that. And then um, you think that uh, perhaps, okay, we, we start with a new version where we can implement those new changes, but uh, still has the same old one. So new versions often start with us thinking that uh, this would be fun to uh, implement and add, but the current uh, engine does not support it fully. So often uh, starting on a new version is a result of uh, not of thinking that we would begin and do an entire new game, but uh, doing things with the current game that uh, makes it better, but that uh, would be hard and difficult yeah. to do. We often have uh, lots of new ideas we, that we want to try out. So then it eventually becomes a new game. So uh, we've collected uh, years of ideas for a possible uh, Dominions 6 that would not fit into the Dominions 5 uh, content currently. So uh, it's exciting news. <laughs> so there is a Dominion 6 on the way then. <laughs> in a distant future. It, uh, it most, 
it will most likely be a Dominion 6. You never know, but it's probable, I guess. I get scared when I hear about Dominion 6 because I've not even played Dominion 5 that much. And I've got 600 hours or something, you know, nearly 700 hours in that game. And I, I... I still, I reckon I've played about 5% of all the factions. Um, and <laughs> each one, I, w- I want to play over and over again until I master it. Like I'm playing Satis at the moment, EA Satis, and I'm really trying to learn them in multiplayer. And, you know, and so in order to kind of get my head around just one faction, I'm playing it over and over and over again. And, <laughs> you know, and that's just one faction out of how many? 90, is it now? <laughs> Some crazy Something, number. Yeah, I think uh, about 90. So just going back to Drexy's point about the development process, if you don't mind it, I think one of the things that I really like about what you do when you actually do bring out a new game, and a lot of developers don't do this, I think Drexy sort of touched on the changes like the, that become sort of like complete rebuilds for a lot of games, and it's very risky because you end up, like there's so many games that get to like the third version, for example, that completely bombs out, whereas... Uh, with what you guys, the, the changes seem a lot more subtle when you do bring out a new version. And I think that on the face of it, I know that I still get comments even about whether people should be choosing Dominions 4 versus 5, for example. And I think also with Conquest of Elysium 5, you must be very, very happy with the overall response where people are really enjoying the rebalance because that's the biggest thing you can sort of see between 5 and 4 for Conquest of Elysium. And it's it's dramatic, even though on the face of it, it doesn't appear to be... Like when you when you just read what the changes... I don't know if I'm making sense with that, but the, the changes don't look as... as as dramatic as the actual overall uh, balance of the gameplay, and it's um, yeah, I, I appreciate that as a as a gamer, but I know that that's something that it must be a difficult choice for you guys to sort of think: do we need to add in more bells and whistles, or do we just make what we've got better and better? And it's I, I, I do like the approach that you've taken. So we're sure happy with the response. It was uh, much better than we had uh, expected. expected. Yeah. Many people seem to write in the forum and. Uh, Lots of YouTube videos have been made. So that's very funny. <laughs> Conquest of Elysium 4 was never that popular, so we didn't expect number 5 to be very popular either. But uh, we are positively surprised. Yeah, I noticed mm. a lot of people playing it on Steam at the moment, and there seems to be a lot of people making videos for it too. So that's, I mean, I don't know, you, you guys will know better than me, but at least from what I've seen, the interaction from the community seems quite active and happy. I mean, even the Explominate Discord that... <laughs> The last two weeks has just been co five all the way. <laughs> Screenshots have been <laughs> posted and everything. It's just been nonstop. And for example, you—I mean, you guys released the same day as Humankind, which is a massive triple A forex game and Explorinator, like a forex Discord and podcast. But it seems everyone's just talking about Conquest Elysium Five. It's crazy. <laughs> nice. Um, one other thing I did want to ask, one of the biggest changes you made to Dominions was moving from turn-based combat to, like, a, I guess, real-time, where both sides operate at the same time. Was that How long did you think about that, and how, how, how did that come about, basically? Uh, yeah, that was a very big change that was for our game, at least. <laughs> that made us want to do a new version, since uh, it yeah, could not be implemented in Dominions 4. And uh, it felt uh, like it would be a, a good idea, and we wanted to try it. So mm. we, that's probably where Dominions 5 do- development started, I think. Yeah, that was the main thing in in that version. Definitely made the game a lot better. I enjoy it a lot more since that change. Yeah. 
Yeah. Before that, people counted uh, uh, squares uh, in distance and from where uh, archers moved and the uh, silly meta yeah, optimizing. That, uh, that was probably one of the greatest reasons that we didn't want people to set up their troops so they should uh, have to get the first strike. That yeah. was uh, too much micro optimizing. <laughs> I mean, Dominions is quite a micromanagement heavy game, particularly in multiplayer towards the end as well. Yeah. So, and I've been reading some old guides and um, there's a lot to do with, you know, correct placement and, you know, to the, to the correct square of where you've got to have all your units. Yes. I mean, that's, that just sounds like yeah. not so fun. <laughs> that's silly. <laughs> yeah. So we, that's one, one of the reasons. And also the, the real time battles are a lot quicker to watch and I really like how that turned out, so it doesn't have to take that long to watch the battles. Yep, and it's it's sort of interesting, like, uh, actually that was one of the questions that I had. I, I know that you've already sort of patched the uh, Conquest of Elysium so, uh, like, a lot already just in the in the weeks since since it's been launched. And, yeah, one of the things, I do like those battle uh, summaries. I think I sent you some feedback about that. But that's already been changed. I've already sort of done uh, changes with that. You know, it's in Conquest of Elysium. What, why is that not on by default? Is that is there a reason that you decided not to? Is it just that it bogs the game down too much? Are you wanting like a faster pace? No. Than... Uh, I felt like it would be easier for new people to understand what is happening if they could see the battles directly and see the results. So I guess it becomes a little bit more complicated when you have battle reports instead. But that's just what I and what the... I think. Uh, when I watched uh, YouTube videos the last weeks, uh, I've come realized that uh, many YouTubers just uh, click on the battle report and uh, do not watch the battle and uh, do not understand what happened and uh, uh, march away and wonder two turns later uh, why <laughs> is half my army gone <laughs> or uh, why did I lose there or something. So uh, I think it uh, makes people understand the game mechanics and the game and uh, what uh, units are dangerous to attack and uh, so, so it's... Uh, uh, it makes the game go faster, but I think uh, it makes new players not understand as well what uh, actually happens and uh, how units interact in the battlefield. That be added in as a um, like just in the in the messages, so that instead of actually coming like at the moment, you either don't have any any summary at all about what actually happened in the battle. You can't replay the battle if you watch it by default you then don't get to see what actually happened again you don't have any information whereas like you've either got to have one or the other and it would be great if you could actually just have the default but have the have the ability in the messages to be able to then go back and see them yeah that would be a great thing i have thought about it but for for technical reasons it would much easier to do it this way Right. <laughs> it's funny because I can't bring myself to skip the battles. So I'll even <laughs> you, you'll see this when you'll see this when I'm doing a series. I I I mean it's very rare for me to go. Okay, I'm not going to watch this, even if it's just like a few. You know, my my army of two hundred demons stomping on three three hoburgers or whatever. <laughs> I still quite like watching it because. I don't know. This this dazzle dazzle appreciate this, but like I've developed a real hatred for the dwarves in Conquest of Elysium <laughs> after my Burgermeister playthrough, and I I couldn't get past this. The dwarf queen had kind of like holed up in one of her mountain holds and built all these ballistas, and it just killed all of my troops. And I was so angry. <laughs> I think I held it down on the series, but I was and so I know Daz has got a thing about hating halflings, and now I feel like I've got my my equivalent hatred, which is hating the dwarves. <laughs> Yeah, they are probably the, the most difficult ones to uh, knock out. They are very defensive in Conquest of Odysseum, the dwarves. 
Do you know what? It's funny because I'll, I'll, I'll telegraph what happens in that situation happens again in my Warlock playthrough. I'm not going to spoil it too much, but um, <laughs> I, let's just say that I overcompensated this time expecting it, you know, because and I really appreciate it as well, because at the time I was like, oh, God, this is I don't know if it's fun. You know, that they just they just have these ridiculous amounts of ballistas. But I then sat and thought about it and I was like, oh, I know how I can defeat this now, actually. And I, so I think it's really great because the, the faction asymmetry in Conquest of Elysium is, is second to none. We don't really see that so often in uh, other 4X games. I mean, there's only really Endless Legend, which has also very good faction asymmetry. But um, Conquest of Elysium is on a different level entirely. And so I really appreciate that you've got this dwarf faction that, that can, you know, turtle up in, you know, and just be so difficult to take out once they become entrenched somewhere. I've got a question about the dwarves as well. I've, I've noticed that the um, in Conquest of the 4, the dwarves were modelled on ants, whereas, um, like, in so there's actually text that, that refers to them as sort of like working with the queen and um, like you've got the workers, the soldiers, etc. I noticed that this, the Conquest of Lysium Five, you've changed the descriptions for that. Is that just to um, just to just to give it more of the um, traditional sort of dwarvish sort of feel? I'm not aware that it was changed. No, I also think it's uh, should be the same. It's the same, is it? I think it's the same. There were a few uh, new, new descriptions, the, but uh, the there concept one. of the dwarves in uh, here is uh, basically taken from a tabletop RPG setting of mine from uh, a couple of uh, preps ten years ago. So <laughs> I'll have to. I've got them both on my computer. I'll have to load them up and have a look. <laughs> I think that's really funny though because they they really do behave like ants like if you've ever had an ant infestation problem or any kind of insect infestation problem you know how damn hard they are to get rid of like you know to the point where we had to invent like the most horrific chemicals like DDT to be able to get rid of them and that's kind of how I feel about the dwarves now in, in Conquest of Elysium it's like I need some DDT like I need I need a I need a fire warlock with hellfire you know to get rid of these damn things <laughs> Just so being up, have a look. <laughs> that's, that's interesting because talking about the uh, faction asymmetry, Dominions also has a very, very strong faction asymmetry. And uh, this is actually a question from uh, Lucid Tactics. So I asked him if he, if he was interested in asking some questions. And he was like, I, he wants to know how it is that you kind of approach balance in these games. Because obviously um, he's going to be coming at it from a very multiplayer-based perspective because he's a big multiplayer player. And I don't know if you, if you ever heard our podcast that Daz and I and Drexy did about we were talking about Dominions in Conquest. Mm, uh, we yeah, about uh, I did. yeah, sure. So we, we were talking about the differences between multiplayer and single player game design paradigms and how they kind of interact and sometimes conflict. How, how do you go about kind of how do you go about kind of balancing your games in that respect, if, if that's what you do? Two points, but we usually start from um, from an idea or a concept of, of a nation and uh, uh, try to add stuff and mages of uh, somewhat equal power, say one uh, uh, level three caster or one caster of uh, two two or something. And how balance comes secondary in such a way, since it's basically um, Dominus is um, designed to be a multiplayer game with the option of playing single player. Your diplomacy will even out the worst imbalances, but uh, it's nice if the nations are relatively uh, well balanced. But uh, gameplay will and uh, set up and random sites you find or uh, events you get will always account for a lot of things. So, but we try to tweak it afterwards uh, when uh, whenever we find out that they are too overpowered. Like those Ashdor giants were. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like it's uh, it's quite interesting because I I really don't like overbalancing games, and 
I, you know, I think as a coming at games mainly from a single player perspective, I think balance is kind of boring. So like, that's one of the reasons why I really like Conquest of Elysium because there are some factions that are much more challenging to play, like, you know, in the early game, for example, and they kind of get stronger. Like I really struggled with the Warlock at first because I felt that the Warlock was, until I kind of got my head around how it worked, I found it quite weak at the start. And then there's other factions like Baron, for example, who are very, very strong in the early game and then seem to taper off at the end. And they don't have so much of an endgame presence like some of the bigger spellcasting classes do. Again, is that something that you you kind of encourage? Do you like to have these factions that play very differently and, you know, they're not necessarily balanced? In Conquest of Elysium, balance is less important. Uh, it's more, can I survive with uh, <laughs> with this class? So I'd, I'd consider Conquest of Elysium somewhat of a survival game, not as much a strategy game. And uh, instead of playing on hard difficulty or impossible or easy mode, you can play uh, that faction or that faction and try to figure out how does this work for me. Uh, and uh, I, I didn't expect people to want to play multiplayer in Conquest of Elysium. And I think co-op is the best way actually to play Conquest of Elysium. Yeah, we often play multiplayer, but we are usually allies. So we're all on the same team versus the AI. Yeah, I think it's a really good co-op game. I've, I've yet to play it competitively, um, but I, I've had so much fun with co-op with Conquest of Elysium. I just think it's... The, there's so many combinations that you can you can come up with the different classes and you know various combinations of enemy teams and you can set yourself little goals it's such a great adventure game and i think you know sharing that with somebody else is a really cool way to play it and uh, the classes are also diff- different so they would be super difficult to balance properly i think yeah I, I, a bit like ben actually i, I... Well, actually, exactly like Ben. I really do like that it's not balanced in, in both games, really. I mean, Dominions as well, because of this, the play is asynchronous and you really do have, like, you know, where you are on the map, you know, if you have a random map and things like this, makes it so that it's very different every single time you play it. And um, like I find games like Dominions, Conquest of Elysium, there's a whole lot of other strategy games as well that don't go overboard trying to get an exact balance with it. And I, I just think that's fantastic. So, um, again, it's it's a game that I think that, the games do get a bit stale and boring as soon as you do start to do that um, that overbalance. And uh, but you know, you've actually hit a really really good balance with <laughs> with the approach, I guess, uh, just with actually sort of keeping it so that the asynchronous play is immersive and doesn't really get in the way. I know I know that with when I've played multiplayer games of Dominions, it's like you can almost sort of like you can pick the balance of the different factions to like if you've got someone that's a stronger player, if you're, for example, like Lucid Tactics that you're playing against, he can then choose a faction that's going to be harder to play. And it's it makes the game much more engaging. It's it's fantastic, actually. Mm, and it's quite fun to um, be a, a nation that is considered a bit weaker and try to find ways to make that uh, that nation stronger and uh, viable in in a certain setting. So uh, I, I'm personally quite enjoying playing weaker nations. Like Asphodel. Uh, like us for the hill preps. I know this is one that the uh, the community are going. Come on, make them stronger. And it's like, no, they're kind of cool as they are, <laughs> they're, and they're not actually that bad. I think Lucid's come up with a way of playing them that is actually pretty strong. Mm, I th- so I had some videos about it. I think uh, I've I've not looked at it yet, but um, I'm I, I'm intrigued and interested in uh, taking it up. Yeah, I remember um, he uh, was doing his tier lists of each age. And there would always be like a low-tier nation, but he would say, 
oh, such and such player actually won a game versus me with this nation because they're such a good player. And they came up with such a weird tactic and they actually won with something that was considered a tier four or tier five nation. Huh? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, fun to hear when that happens. And that's the mark of a, you know, a game that's got, you know, what I was talking about with the emergent gameplay. I mean, Dominions is, is absolutely mind-boggling with, with the complexity and it's not complex necessarily with the game mechanics, even though it's got a lot of game mechanics. But um, there are other games that I could I could point to and say this is a complex game because there's just so much stuff that you've got to do. I think the the complexity in Dominions, at least for me, comes from the sheer volume of content in it, and you know the possibilities of combinations of all those different elements is absolutely you know it sends my head into the void basically. <laughs> The uh, the number of different mechanics and how they interact is uh, <laughs> is what makes it fun. It's uh, it's very uh, hard to predict what uh, people might find that uh, works uh, works well. I, I was uh, mighty impressed when someone I'm not sure who um, and someone uh, posted a, a YouTube video on a multiplayer game where a Malki, the royal Malki um, uh, of Nazca, master enslaved uh, the entire uh, enemy army, but uh, the royal couple, I think she's called, or it is called, was wished for, and uh, it was uh, quite unexpected. I have um, I have not seen or expected someone um, doing something like that, and uh, that's, <laughs> that's very satisfying to see. Uh, when players find uh, ways to exploit the game, so to say, uh, that I have never thought of. Have you put some of the past exploits into some of the game descriptions? Because I was playing, Niefel, I think it was Niflheim, and there's a there's a reference to people using the Gyges as and the, the Scratty as uh, turbo fusion <laughs> batteries. Did you did you put that in deliberately? <laughs> that was deliberate, yes. <laughs> uh, that's I knew it. I knew it. That's so cool as well. <laughs> We're talking a lot about Dominions and Conquest of Elysium, and it's it's something also like when I have been streaming Conquest of Elysium, uh, just I've been asking the viewers actually whether they uh, whether they play both games, one game or, or, or whatever. Do you guys have like a, a plan? Like is Conquest of Elysium an entry into Dominions uh, that you sort of hope that players will sort of get into Dominions that way? Or is it really just two completely different games? Because a lot of people are sort of saying that they will play one or the other, but but don't tend to play both. It's, it was interesting to, to hear that because I sort of felt that they were both very different games. But um, yeah, it, do you see this as an entry level into Dominions? They were made for such a long time ago and have been with us ever since. I don't, don't really remember why we did them. Uh, no, uh, uh, I think they're not intended to be stepping stones into uh, one another or something. So they're separate games. When we first uh, when we were finished with uh, the first version of Conquest of Elysium, we uh, thought that we it would be nice to do a, a little more serious game, and then we started on Dominions. So I don't uh, think there was much thought behind uh, no. why we made them. We wanted to make some games. Oh, you could you could have made up something quite elaborate, and uh, <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> but no, it's it's interesting because people have been discussing that uh, in the chats. You know, when I have been live streaming uh, Conquest of Elysium about. Um, that they will either like that there's so many players that wouldn't like that play dominions that wouldn't go to conquest felicium and almost vice versa which has been interesting but then again i look at i look at my friends list on steam and there's just so many people have got it on their wish list or um have actually bought the game it's like it's a it looks like it's had a very very successful launch from what i can sort of see just from the limited group of people that i actually have on my steam friends list mm, i think so conquest i think yeah, conquest of felicium is uh... 
a lot easier to get into and uh, dominions already from start to realize that uh, this will take will take me some time to to get into and uh, i think it's uh, some uh, a kind of a threshold uh, will i start playing will i start to get information enough to really understand what i'm doing but in conquest of lysium it's uh, it's, it's much much easier game to get get into uh, and uh, mm. just play and uh, the game doesn't take forever to play and uh, yeah, you can start play uh, play a couple of games, die a couple of times, and restart a couple of times, and then. Yeah. <laughs> I did one Twitch Twitch stream where I I think I played four games in three hours. Yeah, I mean for me, Dominions is my multiplayer game, and I pretty much only play multiplayer. But uh, Conquest Elysium has always been like something I play single player, and I enjoy it way more in single player. I haven't actually played co-op yet. I'm looking forward to trying cart, but yeah, for me, that's like uh, if I just want a quick game on my own, I'll just pick up Conquest Elysium and escape from my uh, whatever's happened to me in Dominions, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I, I noticed actually that some of the some of the t- I mean, you say that the games are very very different, you know, and they're not intended to be you know like linking one to the other, but I'm starting to use tactics in Conquest of Elysium that I've learned in Dominions, so. For example, in my, in, in, my, in my current playthrough, I've got two points quickly. The first one is that I think that the Daz was quite right. The, the changes in Conquest of Elysium 4 from the previous game on paper look quite small. But I think in a kind of gestalt way, they, the effect of these changes is much greater than the sum of their individual parts, you know. And I think that the, the overall quality of the game seems to have jumped up. One of the things that I particularly like is that now magic items are a little bit easier to get hold of. And so you can you can kind of like there's more magic items in the game it, it feels at least to me and so now, the access to the planes too actually i mean the access to the planes is now the planes are now a really really important part of this yeah sorry just for butting in there but oh sure yeah, you no did right you're quite right um and but like now because i can get these at my magic items now i can start creating things like thugs and super combatants so for any listeners who don't know what i'm talking about mm. in in dominions this is the ability for you to load a single character with magic items and magic spells to the point that they can then take on larger you know like a like a whole army essentially of opponents and i've started doing that in conquest of elysium and i've not quite got my head around it yet because it's a little bit more difficult to do because obviously in dominions you can you you can plot your trajectory through your you know the way that you're building your faction so that you can plan where you get each item and each spell but in conquest of elysium there's much more of a random element involved so it's more difficult to do but like i've i've, I've started to see some of the chassis that can be used for some of these jobs and i yeah i, I really feel that conquest of elysium has started to it started to diverge a little bit with dominions with regards to some of the tactics you use is that is that a deliberate thing would you say or has it just happened as a no, so interesting <laughs> that, uh, so uh, uh, not deliberate uh, interesting to hear you say it but we made a lot of new magic items for conquest of elysium and uh, we wanted people to be able to get them a bit easier as well because many of the new items are magic boosters and uh, yeah you must some uh, only work for a witch for example and some only work for a necromancer and want it to be a little bit easier to find the right magic item so sure. now there are more ways to gain the magic items i think that's amazing because it's really i think one of the big complaints that i saw about the previous conquest of elysium games was that there was there were many ideas that seemed kind of like just sort of only partly fleshed out whereas i think you've you've addressed many of those criticisms without 
directly just giving people you know the option to ruin the game for themselves by being able to pick everything because i do think that conquest of elysium really leans into the random the randomized content the procedural content very much more than dominions maybe and i i think that's a great thing conquest of elysium is intended to be random unfair and fun it's actually going back to Ben's point about the, uh, the building thugs and super combatants. I mean, one of the changes, I guess, between Dominions and uh, or differences between Dominions and uh, Conquest of Elysium is the uh, fact that you can actually now deck out individual units. So you can get like a powerful uh, non-commander unit and uh, deck that out as a super combatant, which is quite cool as well. Like it's, it's it really does add a whole other uh, veneer of strategy to building in um, Conquest of Elysium, which is Absolutely. good fun. Yeah, I started putting magic items on some of my line troops. So, you know, if I've got a mage and then I get like a one of these items that you've added with that might, you know, give you a fireball spell or, you know, some kind of some kind of uh, magic attack that they can use. It's actually more it's actually better to give it to something like an archer or a or a swordsman and you know they, they'll step back in the ranks so you can actually have a you know a, a relatively small party of really kind of vanilla troops but armed to the teeth with these crazy magic magic items yeah, it's cool it's, isn't it <laughs> it's really cool and it's I, I see some similarity between that and some of the tricks that people are coming up with in dominions in order to kind of maximize uh you know the combat potential of small amounts of troops it's really cool is the is the fact that you can actually deck out individual soldiers, and they don't, they don't have to be sort of like human soldiers as well. You can actually end up with some magic abilities on some you know some pretty impressive um, line units that aren't aren't commanders. Is that something that you saw as a a core part of Conquest of Elysium to be able to then sort of really start to extend, I guess, the strategy component with uh, adding adding different items to those secondary units? Well, I guess it's. Something just uh, just happened when we made more magic items. And sounded fun, so it would be nice to have. Yeah, many, many things just happened by luck. We try <laughs> lots of things, and uh, when we don't like it, we have to remove it sometimes. But uh, if we're lucky, it works out. That sounds very much like you know emergent game design in a sense, rather than kind of like having a really strict idea of where you're going. You just we, <laughs> we, you have... we never have any uh, strict ideas of uh, where we're going. We, we are poor. We are poor at uh, planning things. But, uh, <laughs> we often have ideas for what we think would be fun in the games, and uh, then we try to make it. You've got like the the best strategy game ever built, basically with Dominions, and it's just funny to hear you say that there's. Um... That there's a lot of happy accidents along the way, I guess. It's, um, but that's, I, I, yeah, it's interesting to hear you say that. So, is it that a new version of either of the game comes up, basically when you just suddenly have a really cool idea and think, oh, let's let's stick this in. <laughs> it's, it's time to make a new version. We've got a list of cool ideas we've got, and rather I think than that's being... more tr- that's more true regarding Dominions than Conquest of Elysium. Now, it was quite uh, time since we released uh, the Conquest of Elysium 4, so, uh, and we hadn't worked on it uh, for quite a long time. So when we uh, started to get some new ideas, uh, we thought that uh, it's probably time to do a, an entirely new version and uh, add new stuff. So in Dominions, it's a bit harder to add uh, and change uh, things in the mechanics since uh, many multiplayer games perhaps has gone on for three months and if we do some strange changes their games will be impossible to continue so in dominions if we would like to try and add some new interesting or wacky stuff it's often more required to make entirely new version so in conquest of elysium or this this one the fifth one 
was uh, probably more not work uh, that we hadn't worked on the uh, conquest of Lucian for for quite a long time and felt like uh, it uh, yeah, it felt a bit inspired because we hadn't worked in it in such a long time. Is the fact that you're not actually sort of working on the game that much means that when you do come back to do a reevaluation, because the balance in Conquest of the Sim Five is just so so far ahead of Conquest of the Sim Four, is it is it that fresh eyes that actually helps you to to reevaluate and sort of to to bring in things like you know making the planes more accessible and more magic items, those sorts of things? Is that is it that freshness or that that renewed freshness? Is that where those ideas come from? Uh, probably, I'm not sure. Part of it, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we aspire. We think more about it, I guess. And uh, when you have thought about it for for a year or two and start thinking more of it and looking at some uh, YouTube videos and thing and hear someone say uh, that would be cool, and you think, ah, that would be cool. Yeah, watching YouTube videos of our games is uh, often inspiring and uh, makes us come up with uh, lots of new ideas. I've noticed there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of Conquest of Elysium videos going up. In fact, even before even before the fifth game was announced, I uh, I was looking to see you know oh, how many other people are making videos for this series, and I was surprised actually quite uh, for for a relatively sort of small indie game I'd say there was a lot of people making content for, it, and that was even before COE five. Uh, the last uh, perhaps half uh, six months or so, uh, there's been at least uh, three players who uh, try to play through most or all of the uh, factions. And that's been uh, very informative, I'd say. Uh, you yeah. realize uh, what, uh, what factions are weaker, uh, what problems does this one have, and uh, how uh, lots of UE uh, user interface changes uh, come from watching YouTube videos as well, where people find, uh, have problems finding what to do or what uh, UE can do and so on. So. Uh, YouTube videos has been uh, very yeah that was a useful. bit that was a bit unexpected like a time ago when they started making conquest of Elysium videos again after making no ones for a very long time yes I thought that was notable it was it was quite interesting to me because I remember commenting on the ex talking to my friends at Explominate that there seemed to be quite a lot of people like kind of putting videos up again so yeah. can we expect more content for a conquest of Elysium then are you are you still actively developing it now that you've released it Oh yeah, yes we are. Yes, uh, just this day we added some uh, zombie an animals. Deer. Yeah. So if you're oh, really? <laughs> your friendly necromancer wants to add some um, carcass deers into his uh, armies, they're, they're they're for you. It started with a bug report. Some when you use this bolt of unlife, it turns people into zombies. Ah uh, yeah. If you use it on an armored soldier, they become an armored zombie. And someone uh, reported as a bug that if you use this other ant, it becomes an armored zombie instead of a normal one. Then we thought that, uh, uh, yeah, the real problem is probably that he becomes a human instead of an animal. So we had to make uh, some animal zombies to fix that properly. Uh, but you're, you are opening a big can of undead worms here because I know <laughs> <Yeah>. that <laughs> because now you're, you're going to want to, like, if you're anything like me, you're going to want to make a, a new model for every single animal, for every single creature. <laughs> <Just thinking that. laughs> yeah, that's problematic. I remember being amazed playing Dominions and the, uh, when you cast Twiceborn, so the spell that, you know, makes your spell uh, mage turn into a leash, it, Oh, sorry. Allows them to be reborn as a, as a in an undead form. I was amazed that there was so many different models. Like there's one for the dark giants. There's one for the little vetties. You know the little goblins. Uh, there for all sorts of different 
characters, but even in factions that don't normally have access to those spells. I mean, that is that's some serious dedication to your game. Yeah, that's a problematic ritual. <laughs> but uh, yeah, some work had to go into it, but it felt satisfying when, when it was finished. Uh, it's not entirely finished yet. Uh, there are probably uh, a lot of um, chassis that should uh, get a, a white version as well, but uh, it's fun. I noticed you guys, um, you, you're saying you watch a lot of uh, YouTube videos. Are you surprised how uh, dedicated a lot of your fans are to your games? Because it seems like people who get into your games suddenly become uh, converts almost. and become <laughs> Like, for example, I, I stopped playing Dominions for about two or three years and then uh, Ben dragged me back in and now I can't stop playing again. Uh, be... That was Lucid, it wasn't me. Oh, it was, it was Lucid. Lucid, yeah, sorry. Yeah, he yeah. invited us to play and he was after we did the interview, he was like, hey, you, you should come and play a game with us and me, neither me nor Drexy had played for a while and he kind of dragged us back in and now, yeah, this is the, this is the reason I had to do retake exams for uni this year was because <laughs> bloody Lucid dragged me back into Dominions. <laughs> a bit surprised, I have to say. Um, but... Um... Since uh, Dominions 2, I think, uh, people who, who like the game really like the game, and people who don't like the game uh, don't bother. So I think the, the complexity of the game and the style of the game makes people either be quite engaged and uh, interested in it, or uh, just leave it alone. So yeah, probably fewer casual players than most other games. You haven't sort of dumbed your game down to try and get more casual players. If anything, you've made the games more complex. Is that more to please your hardcore fans, I guess? Yeah. We like to add new stuff, and uh, uh, adding new stuff makes the game more complicated. So no intent in any direction on our part. It's just how it uh, develops. Mm, no, we, we try to on that on that point that's one of those things i think with the um because one of the things i've noticed particularly with dominions 5 and uh, also with conquest of Elysium, even though there's more complexity you've actually made the game easier to approach um like you know with tool tips and um and information that's readily available particularly in dominions 5 uh, i think dominions 5 is a much much easier game for a casual player to approach than say dominions 4 would that be fair Mm, I think so. We have uh, used more tooltips and stuff, and uh, mouse over and uh, uh, so on. So it might be the YouTube videos might have helped a bit. We often find some uh, inspiration on how to make things easier from uh, those. There's a lot of players who who don't, um, you know, who basically just come into the games, and it's certainly one of those things that, from just from like, I always try to evaluate that when people are chatting, particularly in live streams as to, like, you get a lot of people with a lot of these complex, complex games saying that they own the game, they started it once, but they enjoy watching it rather than playing it. But then I guess there's a lot of other players that, that they often players don't know how to approach the game. And I guess it's one of those things where because you've got such a dedicated community, uh, there's so much min-maxing that goes on with the, with, like, particularly with Dominions, you know, like trying to figure out the best way to play a particular faction. And I've... I always worry with new players that that actually then gets in the way of their fun levels, you know, like because because um, these games, just like Dwarf Fortress, Dwarf Fortress is the same where you can actually, like it's more fun not to try to min-max. And I find that with Dominions as well. Like it's a, a fun game, certainly from a single-player perspective, to just jump in and um, and just muddle around in it. And you learn so much. I mean, Ben, you touched on that earlier when you were saying that you just tend to keep on replaying the same faction over and over and over again because you get better and better and better at it. And I think it's the best way to play these sort of games. 
I completely agree. This is this is something that Drexy brought up in one of our Explominate podcasts recently. That some of the magic gets taken out of a game. I think when you have to read a guide or when you read a guide, and and I mean some games kind of you need it. Like I don't know if you've ever tried to play Aurora Forex, but you've got to play. You've got to use a guide to play that game, right? And Dwarf <laughs> Fortress as well is another game that I, I just I would not be able to imagine approaching that game without at least playing through. You know. Like the introductory guide that was on the Dwarf Fortress <laughs> wiki. It's, it's just, I mean, you know, the, the 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 joke is with Dwarf Fortress that the it's not a learning curve; it's a learning cliff. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the Dominions is that bad, really. <laughs> I mean, for me, um, when I want to play a new nation, I do actually search it up on YouTube and see if someone and someone has done a playthrough because, yeah. <laughs> I get, I get quite that. disappointed when a nation I think is really cool and I want to try it doesn't have a, a YouTube video up. So I can tell you from a conquer creation point of view, when you when you get one of the new factions and you start to build a series up around it and you do you you try to do your like I'm a mediocre player for Dominions re, in reality and it's sort of quite funny when you start the series off, uh, all the comments that come through, you should have done this, you should have done that. <laughs> the comments are more valuable than than the video. <laughs> I've I've got a question for you actually about the uh, Dominion's multiplayer. Uh, have you been watching uh, the the tournament that Lucid Tactics has been uh, hosting? Not lately. When it started, I six months ago or something there, uh, it was going on. Was it? Or but, uh, I haven't watched it in, uh, in the last months. We got distracted by Conquest of Elysium. <laughs> sure. Well, it was it is quite a long tournament actually, but uh, I was just interested. And I mean, are you are you interested by the fact that people? consider dominions to be something that you could play as a tournament considering how unbalanced all the factions are in that yeah it was very fun to know that he made a tournament i like the idea fun to watch and uh, interesting to see uh, how people choose and not choose uh, uh, nations and what they consider strong and weak ones so it's quite informative and uh, if there will be a dominions six there will probably uh, some input on uh, from uh, on balance uh, depending on uh, on YouTube videos as well. So uh, Lemuria nerf confirmed then. <laughs> <laughs> Are you actually um, surprised that some people find certain nations weak and when you might have some inside knowledge that you think, actually, these people haven't realised how strong this nation is? I think the good players are much better at knowing which ones are strong than, than we are. <laughs> That's probably true. I'm not actually surprised to hear that in, in a sense, because I think that from what you've been saying, you kind of approach it more from, you know, what would be fun to put in and what, what would be interesting to put in rather than, you know, what crazy combination of, of powers can we put in that is going to blow everyone's minds? <laughs> yeah. I'm often surprised by how quickly people can expand in uh, those uh, nation overviews. They do super well expanding. Yeah, yeah. I mean, playing against Lucid, it, like we, we're talking a lot about Lucid, but he really is just an exceptional Dominions player. And um, I remember the, in the multiplayer game that we did on YouTube, uh, I ended up right next to him, and it was like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> he's, just, he's just so damn good. Oh uh, yeah, he he won the game that we played yeah. that he played with me and Drexy, and he won by, I mean, he'd won by year thirty pretty much i mean he, he didn't and to the point where we, we tried to form a coalition to take him down and he kind of got upset because i think he's as a, as a as a good player and as a you know, sort of kind of popular youtuber i think he's a bit sick of people teaming up on him now because they know he's going to win there's no choice well he's, he told me does that it was you that was kind of behind 
all of the all of the other players kind of uh, teaming up on him and he's like i know it was Daz. <laughs> i guess I, because i knew it was Daz in the background like playing this kind of kingmaker role you know <laughs> yeah i, I was right next to him and um i i attacked him and i ended up having to take a 12 turn nap just to stop him from killing me that right <laughs> That was a ridiculous game as well. I just want to say this because Lucid came up with it because he wanted because he knew he was a more experienced player. I think he tried to play um, a faction that he didn't know quite so well, and he tried to do something a bit different. So he played as a Beastier, and he his bless was something ridiculous like um, fate weaving. You know the enlarge as well. So you know where you, your car- your your sacred units are bigger, and then um, death explosion. Original. <laughs> <laughs> It was so bizarre, and uh, and then it, I think it had also some kind of um, chill aura. So it was weird because these burn like Abyssian burning ones, they were like they had this chill aura, and uh, th- and then they were larger, and then they then they were, had fate weaving, so it made it more likely that you would like that uh, that they would explode. Basically, it was just the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> it must be nice though seeing when when you see people come up with just some kind of crazy things that you've not you've not even considered yourselves. Yeah, that's very fun. Yeah. I think that's the, the magic of the game, like particularly with Dominions, is that it's the possibilities, the, the, the just exponential possibilities, aren't there, really, with the way that you've actually been able, able to construct all of the different mechanics, uh, particularly in that game. And, um, you know, so it's, um, I guess that's sort of what's daunting for a lot of players, but it's also really, really exciting as well. And that's what makes, uh, makes the game, it's possible to continue, play and play and play and play. So, uh, mm, yeah, and we are often surprised by what people come up. Uh, we've been surprised uh, many times. I'm interested to know how you kind of address the, some of the criticism about Conquest of Elysium when I've seen people on the Steam forums talking about uh, the, some of the game-ending Armageddon events uh, <laughs> shutting their games down quite early. Uh, what, how do you feel about that? When there are too discontent, I'm uh, <laughs> I get a bit bothered, but. I think it's part of the game. Uh, it's a part of the game I want to play. And uh, I think a lot of players, most players um, see, I hope most players see Conquest of Philism as a, an exploration, survival, uh, storytelling game in some way. And uh, an infer- invasion is a book, a fantasy book might end with, a, with an uh, uh, apocalypse where Inferno invades and destroys everything. And uh, that's fine with me, but... Um, I get a bit bothered when uh, people get uh, annoyed and angry and think uh, that the game is unplayable because uh, they want to fight it out with uh, AI or so, or (laughs) isn't as as excited as I am when I get killed by by ants. But uh, apocalypses, they are important in the way. But we we have modding also, so people should be able to remove it if they want. See, I'm really pleased to hear you say that because I really disagree with those people. I like it that it's kind of like that. I mean, I actually haven't seen so many of these apocalyptic events. I don't know why. I just don't seem to come across them in my game so often. Although I think I think I've had the demon invasion once, maybe. But no, I'm really pleased to hear you say that because I think that it's a relatively short game, right? And you know, if you if your game ends after thirty or forty turns, so what? To start again? <laughs> That's the yeah. way I see it. <laughs> And I don't think it's supposed to be a game that really you're trying to min-max like you would with Dominions. Like, it's not like... I don't sit down before I play Conquest of Elysium and try to plot out the trajectory of my game. It's not possible. There's there's a sort of there's a sort of telemetry that you can follow once the game unfolds, you know, and you, you, you sort of see certain things that you can do, like, okay, I've got this, this character as a neighbour, 
there's there's a you know there's a there's a portal near me, so I've got to be aware of that. But I, I but I don't think you can kind of plan the game before, so it doesn't really strike me as the sort of game where you should be getting too upset if you if you lose. I mean, like you say, it's an adventure game. I wouldn't uh, dream of adding uh, world ending apocalypse and uh, dominions since it's a fight between it designed for multiplayer and uh, not for. Yeah, it's it's intended to be balanced. And if uh, there was a world-ending catastrophe in one part of the uh, world, all yeah, that but we we be... added one world-ending catastrophe at turn ninety, I think. We added a turn-ending cata- catastrophe okay. at uh, turn ninety or something yes. in Dominion's fight. <laughs> but that's more to to make sure that the players try to win before turn ninety or remove the get rid of the what you call uh, the thrones of ascension. So. Yeah, at least everyone knows it's, when it's coming. It's exciting. it's exciting having that limit, um, to be honest, when you are playing multiplayer. Um, it's, a, it's a good addition. It's something I personally don't like in games, but it's uh, like it's in, I don't like to be forced, the pacing the pacing along, but I, I do like that in that multiplayer aspect where you know you've got limited time, you've got a bit of randomness with those, ty- with those turns as well, and everyone's just scrambling for those last thrones. It's, it's a really quite interesting, um, interesting way to play the game. And it would be nice if... Uh... If the cataclysm in Dominions not always was uh, a horror uh, and uh, astral corruption kind of cataclysm, but if it uh, would be one time it's this kind of uh, ending and another this time of ending, so you couldn't prepare for the uh, blood nations have an easier time when the cataclysm starts than other nations, and that's a bit of a pity. Yeah, this is the reason for Dominion 6, then, is it? Perhaps. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should add all the cataclysms from Conquest of Elysium. <laughs> <laughs> the thing with Dominion, though, like I mean, it's interesting to say that you didn't have any cataclysms. Well, apart from the you know this optional turn ninety one, but I think the players are supposed to be the game ending event. Really, <laughs> like I remember the thing yeah. that really grabbed me with Dominions was when I was I was playing as uh, Middle Age Ermor, and I was kind of like I was just going through some of the stuff that they could do, and then I came across this spell called Burden of Time. And I read the description of it, and I was like, "My God, that is so fucked up!" <laughs> like, that's what who what kind of sick mind came up with this? And you know, and I was like, "Hang on a minute, this this is like this is a cool game, right? There aren't any other games that I know where you can when you can end the game basically by making everybody rapidly age in the whole world until everybody dies, except your undead faction. Like, like that's 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 genius, and that's not the only one. There's so many cool spells like that. Yeah." I mean, like astral corruption. That's another one where it, uh, you kind of taint, you taint. Yeah, okay. I know. I know why Drexy. Uh, yeah, because we're playing a game at the moment. I suspect this one is coming out. But that's another one where you kind of, uh, if you're a blood nation, you can make it almost impossible for other other uh, nations to to cast any ritual spells. Uh, it's just what an evil way to end the game. <laughs> like, I, I bet. I bet you must have so much fun coming with crazy stuff like that. Mm, that is fun. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's that's true. The players really make the Armageddon in Dominions. There are a lot more rituals that uh, destroy things than to uh, than build things up. Yeah, that's how we. Like we it, we're probably somewhat uh, cataclysmic uh, overall in our game. <laughs> we probably like probably like world endings. Dominions uh, most populations do not grow that much and. Uh, Events kill off people, and the nations kill off people, and uh, the world gets uh, worse and worse. So um, we probably probably like um, a downward spiral for for our games. The thing is, though, um, you know, most mythology seems to have this kind of 
slightly, you know, I guess the whole idea, you know, even the hero myth, the hero dies at the end, right? And I think that that's part of these stories, really, that there's there's this kind of cycle of creation and that there's very often this, you know, golden age and then then the, the, the sort of Ragnarok style, you know, conflict, gods versus titans, this kind of thing. And the biblical idea of, I uh, can't remember what prophet it was, uh, but um, a statue of gold, a statue of silver, a statue of iron and a statue of clay and iron. Uh, representing different uh, earlier uh, civilizations, a golden age, a silver age, uh, iron age, uh, Rome being the iron age, etc. We spoke a, a little bit uh, a little while back about the um, you know that the, some some players get frustrated with uh, you know with, with a bit of randomness that sort of does come through, particularly with the apocalypses and um, ways of actually ending the game. That's something that like it's interesting to always talk to developers about this because I, the game is not a game of chess. You know, like you, you mentioned, that Dominions is more chess-like in that you're trying to get that balance with the multiplayer. But when you actually, I, I find so often with um, games like Conquest of Elysium and most games actually, it's it's really how the player approaches the game. And so many of these strategy games, the player will go in assuming it's a game that they can beat through without enjoying the story and i think it's uh, it's it's they cheat themselves a lot with these sort of games i think by by not in, involving themselves in the story mm -hmm. uh, probably true i uh, i just remembered i think it was in perhaps dominion 3 or dominion 4 there when uh, someone complained that he couldn't beat the impossible ai <laughs> and that feels like a somewhat uh, uh, strange comment. Uh, <laughs> an impossible AI is supposed to be impossible. <laughs> what did you expect? <laughs> but even in Dominions, I know that, like for example, when you are playing a multiplayer a game of that, there's uh, there's in character and out of character, and you've really got to specify exactly. You know, when you're d dealing with another player, okay, this is in character and this is my character talking, or I'm out of character, this is me as a player talking to you as a player. It's I've never played a game where that's just so important to actually really nail that. And it's in nearly every single game that I've played, there's people can become so involved in the actual story and uh, and the and the in character aspect of it. I really can't think of another game where that is so so prevalent. And it's one of those things I noticed that uh, with Dominions 5, you know, you actually added in aspects to help players along with that, like with the messaging between players. I guess they're the little things that you sort of then must think that that, okay, that would be a cool idea to add that in. Are you are you aware of just how involved players get from that from that in-character perspective? Uh, I've never experienced it since I've never played uh, multiplayer games with um people outside uh, of friends or Yuan and uh, other people I know. But when we play, uh, we usually go in character a lot. So I, uh, I, I su it, uh, it's not surprising to hear that you're saying people go into uh, in character. Yeah, we have seen it in some uh, videos as well. Oh, that's uh, true. People send messages. I think the biggest change between Dominions 4 and Dominions 5 was Discord. <laughs> Because now a lot of the oh. games take place on Discord. I've noticed oh, yeah. players used it, don't do in-game messages as much, where in Dominions 4 it was all uh, <clears throat> pretty much um, in-game messages and people were more yes. willing to roleplay. The Discord bots have been uh, super helpful for the multiplayer community. It's funny just to go back to what something that Daz said, that you know, out of all the games I've ever played, multiplayer, Dominions is one where you really do have to sort of I've learned this through the through experience through experience that you have to kind of tell people, yeah, look, I'm 
if I if I speak a bit harsh, it's just because you know I'm I'm kind of like playing in, in role because I've actually upset people before with the way that I've spoken to them, and I've you know I've had people message me say, hey, look, you know, I don't like you speaking to me like that, and I'm like, oh no, I'm so sorry, I didn't, I wasn't meaning to be, you know, real, you know, I was, and I guess it must have been an issue with games like Diplomacy, you know, the board game Diplomacy, where I think people could get so involved with it, and you kind of like get lost in the character a little bit. I don't know. I think I think this game's unique. I, I don't think I don't think diplomacy diplomacy. You know what you know what you're dealing with. But dominions, yeah, as you say, like I, I haven't had a multiplayer game of dominions where someone hasn't taken that in character out of context. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and obviously that's not something that you would you would experience if you were playing like a pen and paper role playing game with your friends. You kind of all know what what you're in for. I think when you're playing with people who you don't know and you might have just met them just for that game then then there's certain boundaries have to be set right because you know everybody's different and everybody expects different things i guess <laughs> yeah i think the big thing with dominions as well is diplomacy is really important and i guess this is what single player games always struggle with they just can't have this sort of uh diplomatic relations that you can with a real person so yeah that's probably one of the main reasons why i, I play this thing because there's a lot of um meta gaming going on behind the scenes where you sort of threatening sort of threatening someone but not threatening them it's like it's a, it's a fine balance it's it's just so much fun and you just can't get that with a single but you can play uh, uh, Dominions uh, multiplayer without diplomacy. If you uh, are two teams against each other, there's not much uh, diplomacy. One team building up uh, on one part of the map and the other team on the other side. And uh, you don't need that much, don't have any diplomacy, but you aid one another in, in your team and uh, try to maneuver and uh, conquer. So we've, uh, lately we've, we have most mostly played uh, team games uh, with our friends so uh, since uh, <laughs> diplomacy can be quite uh, exhausting it's uh, nice to play yeah. a regular uh, war game without diplomacy and it's fun to have some teammates that can uh, share the loss with you yeah yeah, yeah. I, I do like the co-op aspect that you know like, like with the disciples games and things like that as well it's um it's a good way of playing these sort of games it's funny you say that as well because I actually entered a di- disciples game recently and it actually just finished and we ended up losing. And before I went in, I, I asked Lucy, I sent him at Lucid a message saying, "Hey, we're going to play a disciples game. You've got any advice?" And he goes, "It's a knife fight, basically." And you know, you'll you'll understand what I mean. And he was right; there was no diplomacy in that game. Uh, I tried mm. talking to my neighbors, but they just, they're not interested. They just, they'd pick their targets at the start of the game and they executed their plan and that was it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm interested to know, guys, um, have you got any other projects on the horizon? Are you, I mean, are you completely invested in just Conquest of Elysium and Dominions or um, is anything going to happen with Trade and Taint or any of these other projects that you've had? <clears throat> no, it's, uh, it's been a lot of bug fixing with Conquest of Elysium. But uh, it would be nice to looking at some other stuff. Train Taint would be would be fun. It, it is fun. Uh, I like it like it a lot. But um, it was several years, I think, since we worked on it uh, last time. Yeah. So uh, we have some um, some small projects we work on at times. But <laughs> one uh, one day or another, we always think realize that uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's time for a new Dominion's version or it's time for a new Conquest of Elysium version, interrupting <laughs> other projects for uh, yeah, we start for a year or so. Mm, usually when we finish a game, we 
we continue on that game for a little while, while we are inspired. And uh, then we usually try to start a new game that fails. <laughs> Do you feel like you've kind of like you've become crushed under your own success a little bit with these games? Because, uh, you know, you've been working on them for such a long time and you know, maybe they... Maybe they've started to take over a little bit. Uh, yes, they, they, they take, you know, have taken over. But uh, for uh, for the um, upcoming time, uh, often after having uh, finished Conquest of Edison uh, Five and uh, fixing some bugs and adding some new stuff, we should be quite free to explore some of our older projects and uh, relax a bit. Hopefully, we can finish yes. one one of them someday. But it takes a lot, so much time. I know uh, Rob would be upset with me if if I didn't ask this question, but we understand that you were working at at one point on a Space Forex game. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about that and if that you know what happened with that one. Mm, it's a bit Dominion esque uh, version of some kind of uh, Space uh, Forex game, <laughs> I suppose. No, well, I guess we didn't come uh, that, that far. Well, it was called uh, what is it? What, what do you call it? Ninth Millennium. So our working name, at least. So, um, basic exploration, uh, forex space game. Start with the planet, explore neighboring planets, build uh, factories and technology and stuff. Uh, but uh, the take uh, technology is a little like dominions, nations, not nations, uh, sorry, provinces around your uh, around you are set. Uh, so you don't. Yeah, you never colonize any new planets. Or well, if you do, it would be almost pointless. You have to yeah. conquer planets that there are already so people there, on. There are civilized planets in the world, but you do not uh, develop them by uh, raising technology and stuff. You you have your technology from the start and might find new uh, hidden technologies. And uh, so not not so much. Uh, and no no gold. You uh, you you just important minerals that you require to build. Uh, spaceships those are the important things and you have to transport them between planets and, uh, and gold space is quite factories. useless because you don't interact with other nations and uh, <laughs> one nation was uh, a bit inspired by armor uh, in that it was uh, a robotic nation that led waste to other civilizations oh. so it's just going to be a multiplayer like you think yeah and so so i guess the diplomacy with a game like that would be even beyond dominions or or would that because uh, that sounds like there'd be a lot of possibilities for um for trading through through a galaxy i guess <laughs> I, makes have, sense. I have no i have no idea how diplomacy would work out uh, at the moment i don't uh, think we have that much plan for diplomacy We're probably yeah. more like a war game like dominions. <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> actually uh, this is this is definitely like, i'm going to abuse my position as being somebody who's interviewing you now and i'm gonna i'm gonna say this is something that i really want in dominion six if you ever get around to it is there any chance that you can put some kind of diplomatic options in single player? Because my only complaint about Dominion single player, and I, and I realize that it's a multiplayer game really, but the one thing that I would really like to see is just some way of having a non-aggression pact with somebody. I don't know how you do it AI-wise, and I don't know whether it would make the game better or not, but just personally speaking, I hate it when I'm at war with everybody and then you can't end the war at all, you know? Yeah. And it's the one thing in Dominion single player that I really think would... I think it would make it a really, really great single-player game if we could have some kind of basic diplomacy in it. Yeah, I guess that might be something for Dominion Six. It's it's a new and big feature enough to to warrant a new a new version. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I know a bit about AI stuff, so I, I'm I, I expect that 
I mean, just on this topic, by the way, how do you write an AI for a game as complex as Dominion's? It must be incredibly difficult. Mm, it has evolved through the years, I guess. <laughs> it started when the Dominion's was a lot simpler and, uh, and more things got added on. But I mean, the AI is quite capable and it will, I mean, it, obviously it, it won't come up with some of the crazy plans that players will, but it's pretty effective, you know, and it knows how to raid you and all this kind of stuff. So is this something, like you say, it's an iterative process again with the AI then? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. there are some things that it's bad at that I would like to like it to do better, like uh, building fugs and things like that. Yeah, that sounds like something might be a good plan for uh, for Dominion Six then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I enjoy with Dominion Five is uh, just uh, pressing the R key when you've actually got like a, when you've got your your faction selected and just see what the game actually. Uh, presents for you in terms of the um, of building the uh, the god or the pretender god, and it's it's interesting just how good some of those can be. Some of them aren't all that good, but the, the random the random gods are very very cool. And I, I guess that, is that something that they, with that particular game where you've actually got like a whole lot of different I guess templates that you use, or is that just purely the code? Sort of working at the best approach. <laughs> it's probably purely random. Mm. <laughs> I yeah, have no idea. We don't have any. Uh, there are not many templates, so oh, okay. the AI does what it wants. Okay, guys, I think we're going to start thinking about wrapping it up. There are a couple of other questions I actually quite like to ask this before we go. What games inspired Dominions in Conquest of Elysium? I'm interested to know if there's anything that you know that you kind of took inspiration from, or probably different kind of tabletop RPGs and GMTs, many, uh, many. board games like Great Battles of Alexander, and so. So uh, Dominions was uh, created as uh, the, part, the first bit of Dominions that was created was uh, the tactical battles, and then uh, we added the strategic level after a bit. So our first intentions was to make something like uh, a tactical game, uh, a bit like Great Battles of Alexander or Caesar, or, where you had uh, leaders and you had uh, units that moved towards each other in some kind of fantasy, historical, Romans, Greeks, and and such. And then after a while, we added uh, a strategic level with uh, provinces that you conquer and uh, thought about. Ars Maica had a very complex magic system with uh, forms and techniques uh, like uh, create, combined with uh, uh, fire, creates a fireball, uh, or create, combined with water, creates water, and uh, uh, destroy fire, creates uh, darkness, and uh, create animals, and then you can uh, summon a wolf or if you take mutate and animals, you can uh, change uh, the being of the... So the concept or idea of having two uh, different... Uh, a path in a school came from Ars Maica to some uh, extent, I think. So the school presenting what you do and uh, the other part, uh, uh, an element. So what you do with the element, what you do with... Uh, do you summon the earth or do you change the earth or do you uh, enchant the earth? So Arsmarka has been highly, has influenced uh, Dominions a lot. And uh, magic sites and uh, magic games uh, comes a lot from concepts from Arsmarka as well. So um, not so much uh, computer games as uh, board games and tabletop role-playing games, I think. Conquest of Elysium, on the other hand, it was uh, the early Atari version was heavily inspired by an old game called Fantasy. I think it was made by SSI, where the combat... Is that Fantasy General? Uh, no, not Fantasy General. It was called like Fantasy 1, Fantasy 2, Fantasy 3. It's a, it's a very old game. 
fantasy general was like 95 or 6 or something maybe even later uh, the combats were in fantasy were exactly almost exactly exactly were in uh, conquest okay. of elysium to the old one where everyone was on uh, attack on the bottom part i think and the defenders were on the top part in the lines on a simple black background were you aware of any of the other you know kind of in your peripheral vision as you were developing these games uh, some of the other sort of fantasy games that are loosely in the 4x genre like things like master of magic or any of these yes uh, fantasy sorry, uh, fantasy general uh, and uh, master of magic oh, i have played a lot of master of magic at least so that one has probably been influential for later conquest of Edition games um, but not the first one yeah, I'm a big Master of Magic fan. I think that game's amazing. It's still great today. It, it's needed some bug fixing and some. There's a few mods that. There's a mod that I play called Caster of Magic, but it's that's still one of my favorite games. It's just endured to this day. It's a timeless game, and I, I expect that uh, the you know both of your real winter games are going to be seen in the same respect. You know? Yeah, I also played Master of Magic quite recently because they released it on Steam. Yeah, to sort of see, to go back and look at those old games. Quite often they just don't translate uh, well uh, when you start to play them in a modern setting. But um, <laughs> your Caster of Magic in particular is actually, a, you know, it's still really it's still good fun to play even now. Yeah, And you get a bit uh, nostalgic. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. Is there any um, games you play outside your home games now, nowadays? Is there any games you're into or are you too busy with developing? Uh, right now we have been quite busy, but uh, we usually play some uh, games. So what is it, like uh, Counter-Strike, Call of Duty? Uh, no, we used, used to play a bit of uh, like Smite, if you know that one. Oh uh, yeah, or, okay. <laughs> like a mobile game, but we haven't played it for quite a, some while now. And I played uh, some League of Legends before that, similar game. And, oh yeah, okay. uh, I played a bit, uh, uh, quite a bit for a while. Pathfinder Kingmaker. That's a great game, man. That's the, that's the best CRPG I've ever played, I think. Uh, and uh, the next one comes out second of September, I think. Wrath of the Righteous or something. Yeah, yeah we've one of our writers is just uh, he's just public. We're just about to publish a review of the preview version, and it, I'm really excited about that because. But the problem is, I've not finished kingmaker yet because i've just been so busy <laughs> yeah i thought i, I should uh, start it up and, and finish it so i, I was stressed out when i f- found out that uh, wrath of Rapture is about to be released same that's exactly what happened to me because I, I this what this is what happened with me with Dim- divinity original sin 2 like i'd not finished the first one and i knew that i'd never go back so i had to finish it really fast <laughs> <laughs> well we probably should wrap up guys thank you so much for coming and joining us and just giving us an insight into the wonderful games that you make. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. I was just about to say thank you. Oh, no, it's, it's been great. And we've, we've wanted, been wanting to talk to you for ages. And it was just, uh, we were just kind of trying to come up with an excuse. And Conquest of Elysium 5's release has been, has been a perfect excuse. And it's amazing, though. Like, I think I was saying to you before we started recording that I've completely got carried away with that game. I'm supposed to be doing some other stuff for Explominate and you know writing reviews and stuff. But I mean, it's only been out a few weeks, and I've put about 75 hours into it already. So um, yeah, congratulations! Oh, wow, that's that's good going. <laughs> it is. I'm, I'm very fortunate that I'm, I'm 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 between I'm between schooling at the moment, so I'm about to go back to uni. So I've got a few weeks off, and uh, I had I've had a couple of long journeys as well and it's a great game to put on an old laptop because it will run on a toaster you know so like i, I put it on my yeah. old school laptop and it, it entertained me for a very very long train journey so 
yeah so thank you for that that was awesome <laughs> it is one of, you're right it is one of those games that you um it is a traveling game isn't it like i, I do tend to classify games into into games that you can sort of travel with and those that you can't and uh and uh, conquest of elysium is, is something you can pick up and play for even like half an hour somewhere yeah we have used it as a travel game also it works quite well without having to use the mouse yeah, absolutely mm, yeah yeah, when you think about it, like the, the user interfaces, like you get the keyboard shortcuts, there's not that many that you need to know. It's very easy to sort of play it without actually a mouse. You, you're dead right. I didn't, didn't hadn't even thought of that. I but don't even, um, I barely use the mouse with uh, Conquest of Elysium now. I've, I I just know all the keyboard shortcuts and I use the W, uh, you know, Q, W, E, et cetera, for the movement. I'd, although occasionally you'll see me hit the wrong button because I'm I'm just a bit stupid. <laughs> so like quite, quite often, like you'll, you'll see it in my series. I'll be like, damn it. I've just, and you, you, and you move like your, before. You're right, and you move your favorite commander, you know, the one with all the magic items on his own into a massive stack. So you're like, ah, oh, he's left all these tricks. Yeah, it needs an undo key. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Daz and Drexy as well, uh, for joining us. Oh, thanks. Thanks for the invite. I was really, uh, really looking forward to this. It's, it's been great actually to sort of get to get these insights. So, uh, yeah, thanks, Johan and Christopher. It's, um, great that you could spend the time and uh, sort of share share your insights with us. Yeah, it's been really Thank cool. You. I know you guys don't do these uh, interviews very often, so yeah, it was... Thank you for your <laughs> we're not, time. We're not asking very often. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, that's the secret, is it? <laughs> oh, bless. No, we, I, the, the, the back behind the scenes, we were actually thinking, how, 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 because they don't do many interviews. So how do we how do we twist their arm enough to, <laughs> to make them comfortable enough to come and do an interview? <laughs> Apparently, the secret is just to ask them. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are. We do feel very, very special, and thank you very much. Cheers, guys. It's been uh, it's been really, really fun. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. Well, this has been Ben, Daz, Drexy, Johan, and Christopher for Explominate. I hope you enjoyed it, and I'll catch you next time. Take care, guys. Bye. <laughs>